think they got the answers, I change the questions. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. Are you chewing gum? Welcome back to Daily Notes presented by Almost Sideways. My name is Adam. The month of October, the first weekend of October is finally here. Some of us might have put up our Halloween decorations. Heck, some of us honestly could have just left our Halloween decorations all year up and would be perfectly fine with that. So today, we're kicking off this month, the spooky season if you would, and we have our very first interview of the month. Really stoked to sit down with a good buddy from YouTube. He is a, hor- a horror reviewer there. He loves other genres as well, but he primarily focuses on horror. And that is Cody Leach. Really excited to pick Cody's brain about horror, how he started loving this genre. What was the first film? Diving into some of that YouTube backstory of his as well. We talk about some really cool movies that he strongly recommends you watch it if you're a novice or you really kind of don't you're not as squeamish as others you can jump into some of these other franchises well he recommends some good ones also we talk about his upcoming 31 on 31 so all that stuff today is happening in the episode but before we get started make sure if this is your first time hop down in that comment section on itunes if you're listening there and leave us a review we would really appreciate that i would read that on air for you guys also give us a rating whatever the case may be just take a couple seconds out that'd be fantastic i really appreciate it, it helps us out so stop talking bring on cody let's slash our way to the interview Cody, welcome to the channel or the podcast. I'm so used to doing YouTube stuff. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Hope you're doing well as well. It's been a while since we've chatted. It has been. It has been. And uh, yeah, this what a crazy year this has been. And uh, before we get too far into this conversation, let the people at home know if uh, where do they can find you on all, all that good stuff. So. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. You can either search my name, Cody Leach. I should be the first thousand entries that you find um if not you can just do youtube.com slash cody leach channel uh i'm also on facebook and twitter and instagram and all that and then i'll link you right back to youtube but if you want to go direct that's the two easiest ways and you can find all those links in the show notes of the podcast where you're ever you're listening to it so again we're, we're kicking off october uh definitely the month for horror specifically but you're a, a horror youtuber what was my first question's got to be this: What was the first film that you specifically remember? There was something that kind of, kind of sparked that curiosity for this genre. It was Child's Play three. Uh, I was, I, I want to say, I was four years old. Um, I, I walked <laughs> back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Early riser. We, um, I remember walking into our apartment, and my dad had just started the movie, and I can, I can picture it all right now, almost like I'm watching myself. I remember looking at the TV, and it was right in the title credits where the blood drips into the molten plastic and then it kind of swirls into this tornado. And then the title screen child's play three comes up. And I remember just that visual. I sat down, I was like, what is this? And then 90 minutes later, I was like, I must find more movies like this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, child's play three made me a, a Chucky fanatic. And then I quickly found Freddie and Freddie and Chucky have been my two favorites ever since um, branched off into like John Carpenter's Halloween and, uh, basically any horror movie that my dad had on VHS, I had the interest of checking out and the rest is pretty much history from there. Yeah. kind of like definitely kind of grew into like, kind of like a, it's like a many roots planted for you through mm-hmm. that one experience. And I, you and I have had worked teamed up on YouTube a couple of times. And one of our first clubs we ever did was a child's play ranking because I 
posted this post on Facebook a long time ago. You're like, it's just starting off the Child's Play franchise. You're like, hit me up. We're going to talk about a ranking afterward. And yeah, so I can, yeah, that was that was a fun time. I, I definitely really appreciate Chucky a lot more. My favorite one is Child's Play 2. That one is just a phenomenal Same. sequel, yeah. man. Like we uh, talk about sequels that are way better than not way better, but they're better than the first film. Child's Play 2 has to rank up there for me. Uh, how about you? You feel the same way for that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I actually would um, I would put the original Child's Play at like four for me is like the fourth one. And I love the original, but I, I Child's Play three for a lot of reasons, uh, including that story I just gave. I would put above the original. I think Bride of Chucky's better than the original. And obviously Child's Play two, um, you know, for for all of the inconsistent slasher franchises out there, uh, Chucky's got some pretty solid quality throughout. That is true. There is, um, you mentioned Freddy. So we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street series. This is kind of my blind spot. I, I'm just now starting watching that franchise right now. Just through, I got through the first two films. I'm enjoying it so far, but I know that there's some crud coming eventually. <laughs> uh, especially watching your rankings and stuff like that too. I know there's some crud coming. Especially, I think it. I'm gonna show my ignorance here. The third one is considerably the best one. Is that correct, or is that the fourth one? The third one is usually between the first one and the third one is where most people uh, argue is the best. The third one is where things hit that perfect mix to where you get the humor that is just in now introduced that dark, sadistic kind of one liner humor that Freddie has right before it goes off the rails in four, five <laughs> and six. Uh, but it's still dark. It's still got a lot of horror elements to it. It's got like a music video type style where these these kids find their dream powers. That's what the dream warriors title is from. And then they kind of team up to fight Freddy. So the, the third one is my favorite is the one that I watched the most. Um, but yeah, the, after that it's, um, it's an interesting ride. Oh, awesome. So I look forward to a down, downward spiral. Yes. As, as it were, uh, you're, you're mentioning it when you were watching child's play three, you snuck in, you kind of watched this and you, you got hooked immediately. Was there any other movies that maybe you're, your dad was watching it. You kind of snuck in. Was like, I'm, gonna, I'm curious about this. We're kind of trying to, I'm going to keep it low key and try to watch this as much as I possibly can before getting caught. Well, luckily I didn't really have to sneak. My dad, uh, he was a single parent. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Uh, not having, you know, the mom around to say, no, he can't watch that. <laughs> but um, it, there was certainly limits. There was some movies where he was like, okay, you can't watch this or you have to close your eyes or ears for this part or, you know, something like that. But for the most part, I wasn't really sheltered too much as a kid. Um, I mean, it's funny enough. It's ironic. Uh, I actually went to uh, a Christian elementary school until I was in second grade. And so you have that extremity and then you have dad at home letting me watch murder. <laughs> so <laughs> it was kind of a, a funny little uh, funny little double life. I had to live there for a while. But um, yeah, he didn't really shelter me too much. Pretty much any movie that I wanted to pick as long as he knew there wasn't some graphic sex scene or, you know, the a really extreme kill or something like that. He would pretty much let me watch it. And and I was the type of kid where it never really affected me. I always knew it was a movie. I was never scared. I never had nightmares. I always knew not to walk around repeating things. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I was kind of a rare breed in that because I can tell you from experience with my kids, they don't have that gene. They'll repeat things and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so, um, Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so um I, I kind of had that perfect mix of, of personality and maturity to where my dad pretty much trusted me. I do have very vivid memories, though, of going to the theater the weekend it came out to go see From Dusk Till Dawn. Um, nice. That's and and you, 
Yeah, and you watch the trailer, the original trailer, and the movie doesn't, or the trailer obviously doesn't really tell you how um, how much nudity, especially, is in that movie. But uh, certain <laughs> Tarantino fueled dialogue, obviously, they can't really warn you of. So I remember going to see that, and my dad's like, "Hey, it's a vampire movie," and I was like, "Awesome!" because I love the Lost Boys. So we go and see it, and I, I'll give him. 60% of that movie, but it might've been even less than that where he was just like covering my eyes or covering my ears. And he's like, Oh, well that's permanent damage there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was one that I remember being really frustrated as a kid. Like I didn't get to see half of it. And then whenever it came on, on VHS, that was the one that I kind of had to, to sneak and figure out the, the spots that I missed in theaters. Yeah. You're like, I can't see Selma hike. I didn't even know she was in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. I hit puberty at six years old watching that woman <laughs> tell tell us about no i'm just joking uh so funny story we i just rewatched the thing we did a deep dive for the podcast on that one that was a great great film love it my thing. yeah my daughter snuck in on the room then i was so i, I remember watching it a couple years ago for the first time and then rewatching. i was like man this movie is so much better than i remember so i got enthralled in the film and the experience my daughter snuck in right as the scene the the, the thing was transforming out of the dog oh wow yeah, and the, so the dog face obviously opens up, and she sees it. I'm like, she screams, like, ah! I was like, oh, crap, I didn't even know you were in there. I paused the movie first before I even reached out for her. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to miss anything. Pause that, and then come over here. I was like, damn. Uh, has has a similar experience happened with you and your kids? Um, Kind of. Whenever me and my wife got together, she already had our two oldest kids. Um, so By the way, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I'm trying to think Shane was seven when I met her and Bella was f just turned four. Um, and within I'd say four or five months of knowing each other, I remember vividly where uh, we wanted to go have some alone time. So I, we were watching Poltergeist, which I thought was, you know, pretty mild horror film to put on. And uh, we went elsewhere. And within about 15 minutes, I remember my son knocking on my door crying his eyes out he's like can i talk to dad i don't want to watch this anymore i was like are you kidding me poltergeist and uh so that was the only one where i kind of felt like there was some uh maybe some bad choices made on my part <laughs> but uh <laughs> funny enough fast forward maybe a year and a half after that and i was doing my friday the 13th review series and uh as anybody that knows that is the a, a series that's fueled by gore and nudity and sex. So uh, I was watching that. And for some reason, either he reached the level of understanding it was a movie or maybe it was just goofy enough uh, that B movie style that those Friday the 13th movies have that he sat down and Jason's, you know, decapitating people left and right. And he was fine. So somewhere between Poltergeist and Friday the 13th, he found his way. Nice. A, a PG movie to an eight or an R movie in, a, in less than a year. That's a pretty, that's pretty, that's some growth right there. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're, you're mentioning your Friday the 13th series and I, I kind of, I guess I'll transition to this real fast. Um, you know, obviously you have a YouTube channel. What kind of, what kind of sparked your interest? Like, oh, you know, I love horror. Let's talk about it on YouTube. Well, I'd say about seven months, maybe eight months into my first year on YouTube. And, and I was doing kind of the common thing that most people do in the movie space, especially in YouTube is you just kind of try everything that everybody else does. You know, I'm gonna do some trailer reactions. I'm gonna do some top tens. I'm gonna do a review of this new movie that's coming out. Then I'm going to talk about the other movies. And somewhere along the way, 
I mean, I was having mild success and I was certainly gaining some traction and I was, you know, learning the hard way with some things not to do. But somewhere along the way, I just hadn't quite found my footing yet. I hadn't really found my voice, if you will. And I remember right around uh, February of whatever year, I think it was 2017, when the third Ring movie came out, Rings. And oh, God. Thanks I, that, for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and I did the review for it, hated the movie, and um, I had figured, you know, I'm going to try to find some other people that are, are watching this and talking about it. So I went through and... and looked at about four or five other channels that had just reviewed the movie and left some comments on their video saying, you know, Hey, I, I agree with this point or I thought this too. I did a review if you want to check it out and, uh, became friends with somebody. The only person that, uh, had responded to me that day and kind of dipped my toe into the horror community that he was pretty, uh, pretty sizable in at the time. And that kind of seeing the horror community, the movie community, and how much interaction there was in specifically the horror community that I hadn't really seen yet with comic book films or anything else that I had been talking about that year, um, I started to gain some interest. I was like, you know, I'm going to do my first full on review series, and it's going to be a horror franchise because I've always loved horror. Um, I, I didn't start YouTube thinking about horror. I was, you know, comic books and everything like that was the big thing at the time. But, you know, I, I kind of want to dive back into my roots a bit. So I put a video out saying, hey, uh, out of these slasher franchises, vote down below on which one you want me to do a review series for. And Freddy won out by the skin of his teeth. And so I did my my first full on review series on YouTube on Nightmare on Elm Street, which was my favorite slasher franchise anyway. So I kind of lucked out and uh quickly realized that just the the comments, the interaction and, and everything that I was getting on that review series, it just kind of, it seemed welcoming. It seemed like there was just something there that I had tapped into. And so I just kept, kept going for it. You know, I, I kept reviewing other horror films alongside all the new releases and all the other stuff that I was still doing. And then I started doing the Friday the 13th review series and eventually worked up to the Halloween and just over that year, year and a half stretch between doing Friday the 13th and, and, getting up to Halloween, uh, had, had gained a lot of subscribers, had gained a lot of notoriety in the horror community. And it was just, it just kind of felt like I belonged in a way, uh, something about my kind of attitude and my crass humor and everything like that put together <laughs> and kind of the, the, the jokes that I try to go for with my, my openings and my cold opens and everything. It just kind of seemed to appeal to that community a lot more than, um, the comic book world and stuff like that. So it just, it just kind of felt like I found my footing. Yeah, I don't know exactly when we met in the process, the transition period, because I always knew you as just a straight up, like, I'm a horror reviewer type of thing. So I really didn't know, like, too much of that front story there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, it, it's kind of interesting, though. You're, the horror community sets itself apart considerably different than the other, uh, from the other communities, I feel like, because it seems like everybody's just going to review the same exact movies. But there's so many different horror movies out there that a lot of people may you may never hear of but the people in that community really do and they are attached to it as well mm -hmm. obviously you'll have like the big franchises and we'll talk about those in a second but you know there's specific movies that you're you're not going to see reviews on like you know you know let's just say for instance like a durban or durbany or a sean chandler like there's a, like these great reviewers who we really were friends with but you know there's a specific like film like they may not hear of but a horror fan will definitely know of and you're going to re review these films and Mm -hmm. I think that unlike some of the like comic book channels, they're going to just review the same movies over and over again. I think there's a lot more uh, entertainment and value to the, what you're doing on YouTube. 
Yeah, I mean, and I had but um, I had talked with Sean a couple of weeks ago. I was doing a not necessarily an interview, but we were kind of talking about some some YouTube origin stuff for a class that he's building. And we had kind of talked about that. And he brought it up that, you know, even though he's, you know, what, six times that the channel mine is as far as subscriber count, um, he's been very successful. But uh, he was talking about how how I kind of dipped into the horror community and kind of stuck with that niche that I'll, I'll, within a community. I'm kind of a bigger name than he feels like he is within a certain community. And it, it, it's very much because horror fans, it, it's kind of similar to metal fans, which are very, you know, hand in hand, those two, those two groups that it's almost like they're, there's like this outcast flavor to <laughs> horror fans and to, into metal fans to where it almost feels tighter and almost feels tighter knit. Um, you know, you're not going to see anybody, not that you do in the comic book world necessarily. I don't want to make it seem like the opposite is true, but you definitely don't see a whole lot of judgment in the horror community. It doesn't really matter how old you are, what race you are, you know, how many <laughs> pounds it says you are when you step on the scale, what your style <laughs> is, none of that stuff. If you're a horror fan, you know, it's like family to a certain degree. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that dipping into that, whether or not my numbers uh, are, are as high as some other channels. I do always feel like uh, a big success in my own right, just for that community. You know, I, when I was on doing YouTube stuff, like I was, I was kind of doing the, like this, the traditional stuff, rankings, the trailer reaction stuff. And I, I, I quit, I kind of dipped out quite a, maybe er, like in a couple years into it, but just because of, you know, life, life happens. And, but I definitely feel like when I was starting kind of, and kind of meet people from the horror community. I definitely felt more welcoming than the other people, you know, mm -hmm. just normal things. And I met a lot of awesome people. I went to Crypticon and I met like Queenie, Queenie Beast and the horror addicts. And I met these people. And uh, one of the people you kind of mentioned as well, I, I know with that person and um, obviously like CP and then uh, some other ones as well. Actually, I'll have tomorrow, I'll have a conversation with Lizzie Carnage Candy about Scream. So that's going to be a fun conversation too. So okay. I'm meeting. I'm meeting people through them, and I actually felt a lot more welcomed to come into the community because, as and trying to, they're trying to teach me how to be a horror fan too. So that's <laughs> that was cool because, like, like I said, when I first started, and I didn't really, I knew I watched movies and I watched some horror films, but my like, I'm two glaring franchises that I do not know anything of is Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm slowly kind of picking away at those ones, but yeah, it's it, it's but. It's just conversations. You're not going to be like berated for putting a movie down at the bottom. Be, uh, unlike like if you do a versus Star Wars ranking or a uh, MCU ranking, those are really judgmental kind of uh, fan bases. I feel like anyway. for the most part, you won't. There's still the dark side of the community for sure. <laughs> the the Halloween <laughs> fans. Uh, I make little inside jokes all the time. I, I got I got the rough end uh, of the Halloween fan base whenever I reviewed and ranked the new film in 2018. So yeah, there's. For the most part, everybody is really cool in the horror community. But nowadays, I mean, you'll find those you'll find those dark alleys of fandom in pretty much anywhere you go. But uh, as a whole, though, yeah, you're right. It, the, the positive does seem to be a little bit more um, outweighed in the, in the horror community, in my experience. Yeah, exactly. So you're bringing that some backlash from your Halloween. What exactly was it, and did you uh, what what kind of came of it? What came came of it? Oh Lord! Uh, so that that whole review series uh, to th to this day, it's still the review series that I dumped the most time and energy and my heart and soul into. Like the 
I did Freddie. I did Chucky. Those are my two boys. Uh, and then I had Friday the 13th, which at the time I had the least amount of experience with. So that was kind of like me stepping into new territory. I did very well with that. And then Halloween was one that I had a lot of experience with. Um, wasn't as big of a fan as a lot of people, but the horror community that I was in at the time, um, especially since the new film was coming out, Halloween was like clearly the most popular, the one that was celebrated the most out of all the big franchises. So I was like, okay, I really got to, I got to pull out all the stops for this one. So I planned it out. I had um, written out this little storyline that I was going to have kind of tied together through all of my cold opens, which was a new thing I had never done before. It was a little ambitious. Um, I, I wanted to, I, I had done a lot of production leading up to it and left myself enough time to where it was basically going to be a review dropping every single day up until the release of Halloween 2018. So uh, I work uh, 10 hour shifts. I have to wake up at 4.15 in the morning. I get home at four in the afternoon. And uh, this entire two week stretch, I was basically recording, editing, dropping the video, getting four hours of sleep, going to work, coming home, doing it all over again, all the way until the release of this movie. Uh, so uh, I had put a lot of eggs in the basket of this just being a big success. So all the way through up until Halloween 2018, basically all of that came to fruition. It was, it was a great review series. I had a blast with it. Everybody seemed to love it. Even some of the movies that I might have had a, you know, quote unquote, unpopular opinion on it still seemed like it was going down pretty well. Uh, and I had the opportunity to go check out Halloween 2018 a day before the general public. Uh, at the time, my wife worked uh, a manager at one of our local theaters. And what they often do for new releases is they do what they call quality checking. And that's basically where they have however many staff members want to stay behind the day before a big movie drops, they'll stay after closing, which is like midnight. And they'll watch the movie with the theater closed to make sure, I mean, really just to watch the movie, but they call it quality checking. It's like, so, Oh, we'll just make sure that the, you know, the, the little USB drive that these things come on nowadays doesn't skip. Um, so I had arranged to go check that movie out with everybody. So me and Holly went that night, watched it. Um, uh, I liked the movie, but there was a lot of things about it that just really disappointed me, really frustrated me and really confused me. And um, I had recorded my review and I dropped it two hours after the first showing so that as everybody walks out uh, for the general public of their first viewing of the movie, my review was dropped. It was brand new. It was right there. And almost instantaneously, uh, my three and a half out of five star review might as well have been a negative five out of five review. And the the dark side of that community just skewered me left and right for not thinking it was the greatest thing in the world. Um, they used movies that I did like against me, like who cares what this guy thinks? He thinks this movie's good. Um, uh, another person in the community had seen it for the first time that night who I won't name, but is quite famous for those that know him as just yeah. kind of taking the popular opinion and regurgitating it out there to please everybody. Uh, his entire fan base that was, or his dark side of his fan base was coming after me. Um, it, it was basically an entire weekend of just getting drug across coals for not loving this movie. And then it continued and trickled on for like the next two months. Uh, there was death threats. There was, you know, go kill yourself comments and stuff like that. And basically every, scummy thing that you could think to read on YouTube came from this one review. Wow. So yeah, so that was, it kind of, it, 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 it 
it was like salt in the wound because I had put so much into that review series that my, you know, series finale, if you will, was <laughs> getting drug across the coals for three months. But um, yeah, that was kind of a, that was the worst bit of treatment that I ever got from the, the bad side of the YouTube viewership. Um, and I, and I've had some pretty controversial opinions before, but that was the only one where it just felt like, wow, I'm just kind of, I'm in a really bad place uh, as far as far as the way people are, are treating this channel right now. Um, and it kind of stained the the franchise for me a little bit. Uh, it definitely stained that movie because it was at the point where I was like, OK, well, all the things that I did like now, I kind of like a little bit less just because everybody's holding it up. And funny enough, uh, I mean, it, it didn't take, you know, six or seven months after that movie came off and the rose colored glasses started coming off and the. Everybody started coming down off of that fandom high and the general opinion seems to kind of line up more with what my initial thoughts were. <laughs> so it was kind of like a, an ironic little twist of fate there. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was bad stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. I... So you're telling me you didn't watch Halloween have immediately hated it and go back to the theater, to watch the next day and change your opinion on it. No, I didn't do that. I also didn't uh, drop my, review. wow. I also didn't drop my review and then wait six months for the community to come down on it and then change my review to reflect that. <laughs> oh, there we go. That too. That's another possibility. Uh, as a, I, I, I really enjoy Halloween that the new one. Uh, but again, that's coming from a perspective of not really, I'm not putting the work into doing what you were doing uh, leading up to that franchise and really digging deep into those reviews. And I, I just watched the series for the first time that years too for the, like in its in, in its yeah in its entirety so mm -hmm. i'll have to go back and kind of look at it through a different kind of lens and just kind of see and how see how it holds up because i haven't rewatched it for a while but um you're saying you know you work a, a ton of hours and you, you're mentioning your downside uh, the kind of this worst experience about youtube the, the youtube experience um you're also putting a ton of hours editing you know what's the normal process from start to finish when you you have an idea do you write out scripts what do you what, what's kind of your process uh, I don't write out anything. Uh, as far as the planning stages go, I'm a very off the cuff type of guy. E even some of the the cold opens and everything that I do. Halloween was an outlier because I did want to write some kind of a, a free flowing story to that one. But for the most part, I'd say 95% of the openings that I do are thought of within minutes of turning the camera on or while I'm watching the movie, I'll think of a joke and I'm like, ooh, I got to capitalize on that. Um, but for the most part, what I do is. Um, if it's a new movie, obviously, it's just a matter of going to the theater, coming home and then jumping onto the camera uh, with an older movie or if it's a review series, it's slightly different. I might watch one or two or three of them and then kind of batch record them. But typically, I mean, we'll say average. I'll, I'll watch the movie. I'll come in. I'll record uh, depending on how much I have to say. Uh, most of my reviews tend to be around 15, 16 minutes long. So that one, I probably record about 22 minutes of raw footage. Um, save for, you know, maybe a couple of screw ups or maybe me stopping to think about what I want to say, or if my kids knock on the door and I have to go out and tell them to go away for a second, <laughs> but, um, yeah. about 22 minutes of recording. And then, uh, I'd say for a review, maybe an hour of editing, uh, depending on how extreme I want to go with it. If I have like a really out there intro, uh, that might take 20, 30 minutes to do that alone. But if it's just a quick little joke or something like that, about an hour. Um, and it's helped because as I've gone along, I've improved my technology too. like the computer that I used to use when I first started YouTube 
Um, it, it was like some off-brand Toshiba computer that was probably only <laughs> good for doing some schoolwork. And I was trying to power Adobe Premiere and Photoshop through it. And some of those videos would take me two, three hours to edit. Uh, it would take three, four hours to render while I slept. And uh, then I improved to a gaming laptop, which is a little bit better. But now now I'm using a, a MacBook, which is my first Apple. And this thing is like a, a jet engine trying to get through some of that stuff. So that definitely helps. But yeah, about an hour, hour and 20 minutes with recording for a review. If it's a ranking or a top 10, maybe add 20 minutes to that just for it being a, a longer video and, and having to grab posters and some movie clips and stuff like that. But I've got it down to a pretty good science now. Yeah, it, definitely. The more you repetition, the more you do it over and over Absolutely. again. You know? Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people, a lot of viewers don't kind of comprehend maybe sometimes because they kind of just see like, well, why it wasn't, where's your review for this? Where's your rev review for that? But it takes time. Like the, it's especially, the, it's a process, especially if technology isn't working that day, you might have to, push things back a little bit and yep. it, it, it becomes frustrating and definitely that was my my thing too uh, when i was editing it always took a lot longer than i wanted it to always always would um kind of like i guess how long i'll be done and always seems to be a little longer because of the technology i was using at mm -hmm. the time but uh so you're, you're one of your most popular videos actually your most popular video currently right now is with let me go scroll back up is with almost two hundred thousand views and that is your halloween ranking mm -hmm. so it it's 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 kind of it's it kind of suck it's kind of that's awesome but that also kind of sucks at it kind of <laughs> with that experience <laughs> that your most popular thing it's also your lowest point on the youtube platform so far it seems yep exactly and that was actually um a, a ranking that i had done uh, a year prior to all of that that was something oh, yeah, that, that was. i did yeah it was yeah yeah, that, that was something that um, I might have even I, I got to remember, I might have even done that before the Nightmare Review series. But I remember it was October of 2017 and uh, my my daughter was just about to be born uh, or maybe it was October 2016. It was 2016. But nonetheless, uh, my daughter was about to be born in, in October and I saw that October was coming up. I wanted to do something cool for Halloween. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to review all of these movies. That was going to be my first review series. But with, you know, my wife's pregnancy and work and everything, it just fell through the cracks immediately. Uh, and so I even missed the Halloween date, I believe. And uh, I just went and said, all right, whatever. I just kind of threw the camera on, kind of <laughs> half-assed this Halloween ranking where I was, you could even look and tell that I'm kind of tired. I even mentioned that I haven't been getting very much sleep and I kind of give some quick thoughts on all of these movies, about three or four of them were the first time watches for me and uh, had some very controversial opinions on it. <laughs> and <laughs> I posted to YouTube and the video doesn't really do anything. Like it just kind of was there. It was just an average viewer with ship. And I was like, eh, okay, whatever. That was just a, a half-assed thing anyway. And somewhere out of nowhere between that and maybe a year later, I would check back on that video and then it would have like a thousand more views and then it would have 10,000 more views and then it would have 30,000 more views. And I'm like, what the hell? And that one just kind of went from this average, no effort whatsoever, half-assed little video that performed very mediocre to suddenly being the most popular video on my channel for like the past two years. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a testament to how unpredictable and how chaotic YouTube success is, is that you can pour your heart and soul and a, you know, a bunch of money and a, a week of editing into this video that you think is the greatest thing in the world. And it could just bomb, or you could just 
be half awake and half ass this little Halloween ranking and get 200,000 views. <laughs> the best things aren't always the things that are going to get you the most, which is kind of unfortunate. It you're is. Actually, you're actually the second person who's actually mentioned a video that's just kind of sitting on your channel, not doing much. And all of a sudden, like a year later or some, sometime later, it like it explodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had on a couple of weeks ago was uh, Rudy's Movie Reviews. Uh, really cool guy. Another YouTuber as well. But he had it like a... A, like a two minute clip on YouTube that had like four, th- like maybe 400 views. And it was just him asking Kevin Nash, how come John Wick didn't kill you in <laughs> John Wick one, right? That video during the week we were recording was slowly gaining traction. It actually went over 200,000 like views, like while we were recording and he actually got two thousand. he hit his 2000 subscriber on the podcast too. So he was like freaking out. It's just crazy. Cause he's like, that was sitting there for like a year and a half, not doing anything. And all of a sudden something happened where Kevin Nash started trending or something like that. And just it exploded. <laughs> so he was, he was like, I can't explain this. <laughs> yep. I right, had so that. Yeah. And then I had a, I had a Chucky video that did the same thing, but it was immediate. I did a, uh, when the Child's Play remake came out last year, I had a whole like week of Child's Play content that I wanted to get out. I, I redid my ranking. I ranked all of the the Chucky dolls. I ranked Chucky's deaths in all the movies. And then I wanted to do a video on my favorite Chucky lines. And I was just so exhausted that week that I didn't even like I didn't record anything for it. I literally just recorded an intro saying, hey, Chucky's the bomb. This is the dude that I love. I'm just going to let him roll with all his lines. And then I just did a montage of 15 Chucky lines. And within a week, that thing had 150K. And I was like, seriously? Like, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, I, mean, I should just stop trying. Because all the stuff that I just put no effort into, it's like, bam, to the top. Yeah, I know. It's like, that's your second most popular view, uh, your video as well. That's crazy. Two fun stories there. Uh, so you've reviewed a bunch of series. You know, all the Halloween, the Child's Play, Texas Chainsaw. Which, which one has been your one that has your opinion changed the most on us rewatching the videos as um, your what franchise has, sorry, let me rephrase the question. What franchise or films in those franchises have your opinions changed the most on after redoing doing these, these rankings? Um, it's an interesting question. Um, so I think uh, they've all changed to a certain degree. There's not like one huge standout and, and for very different reasons. Like the, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, I've always held as my favorite, mostly because I just love Freddy as a character. That one, when I get to the review series, it was kind of like this realization, like, wow, a lot of these movies are really shitty. Um, <laughs> so uh, there was that. And then you have Friday the 13th, which I really didn't have a very high opinion of anyway. And then I go through those review series and um, and there was a ton of those movies, too. So I was dreading doing it and I went through it and I really gained a lot of fandom for Friday the 13th from doing that because I kind of could appreciate the series for what it was and not hold it against some unfair standard to a degree. I mean, it's, it's a B movie slasher series. It knows exactly what it is nine times out of ten. So if you kind of approach it in the right way, you can have a lot of fun with it. So that was another kind of small change. And then the Halloween series, my opinion of it kind of stayed the same, but it was just that experience uh, at the end there, as well as, you know, trickling experiences over the past two years with people never stopping talking about this damn franchise that has kind of tainted it a little bit for me. So that was kind of just the YouTube experience itself that that kind of brought my opinion of those films down. So all of those kind of changed slightly for, for different reasons. Yeah, that, uh, what? Because uh, I know you've done other like kind of smaller franchises too. Has there's any um, anyone that you were kind of like, this was my least favorite project working on? 
Um, thus far, my least favorite project working on, and I'm only halfway through it, is the Saw franchise. And it was because of just all the crap that has gone on with it because I, I had dr- avoided doing it for a while because I'm not really a fan of the series at all. Um, yeah. I, there's things that I like about the first film. I think it's wildly overrated. Uh, and there's a lot of things I like about the second film, which I actually think is better than the first, which is not very popular to say. From I, then I on, the same, I feel the same way. Actually, the second one's better. Yeah, first, I'm, I, yeah. yeah, agreed. Uh, and three has some decent moments too, but after three, especially from then on, I mean, I, I could care less. Just I, I don't even want to talk about the movies after that. To, it, that Saw was one of those franchises that I felt like non horror fans felt like they were horror fans because they went and watched. Because every single Halloween, it was Saw season. I was in high school, and every year it was like, man, the new Saw, and I'm like, will you motherfuckers <laughs> watch like the thing or Nightmare on Elm Street or like something that has some merit. And not just talk about Saw. So I had a little bit of pre-existing <laughs> bias against it for that. But just the series itself, I'm not a big fan of. I, I had watched all the movies. And especially after two, was just everyone was getting more of a chore to watch. And then right after I had did my review for Saw 3, you know, with this COVID nonsense, they, uh, they pushed Spiral, the new upcoming Saw movie, all the way until next year. And so it kind of really screwed up my plans for the review series as it was because I was doing it to kind of gain hype and momentum and some excitement for this new film. And, you know, it's typically the the, the strategy that I usually use. So then that screwed it all up. And I'm like, well, great. Now I have a year now to, to flesh out these Saw reviews. And everybody that loves Saw has let me know numerous times that they're sick of waiting on the next review. So um, every time I'm like, I'll dump a lot of time into some badass top 10 that I'm really proud of. They're like, so when's the next Saw review? And I'm like, oh, 2025. That's when the next Saw review is. Yeah, next time anybody asks me, you actually stole my joke. I was actually going to ask you when the next Saw review was coming out. So uh-huh. you took, you took that, you, I think you kind of, maybe it was a little transparent. I was going to go there. Uh, but <laughs> who knows? Uh, has there you pretty much covered up so many different things on your channel and different like a lot of movies I haven't even heard of. Is there a specific like s- franchise you haven't touched yet that you're kind of curious but not really look not really on the horizon for you? Um, I do want to look at the Exorcist franchise because I mm. don't have a whole lot of experience with the first film, which I know sounds like sacrilege from the horror guy. Um, <laughs> Exorcist is one of those movies that horror fans tend to hold up as the greatest of all time. And my only experience with that film was everybody telling me it was the scariest thing ever watching it when I was like maybe 10, 11 years old and going, really, this is it. Um, so it, it, it didn't, I was really overhyped on that one and I have not seen it since. And so I've been wanting to watch that through my adult lens and 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 get my my current thoughts on it and i do think that exorcist 3 though i have not seen that in a long time is a really underrated movie so that's a that's a franchise that i'm really looking forward to to diving into probably sometime next year uh as well as the final destination franchise that's one that i've kind of put off for a while that uh, i think i'd have a lot of fun with yeah i think that's probably like the quote-unquote biggest one that you haven't touched yet that would be a fun let's be fun little franchise i think you could do a lot of uh uh, predicting your own death and your cold opens too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where I can kind of, I haven't written down anything or haven't really gotten an idea in my head where I would go, but that specific reason there is why I think I could look forward to doing it. Cause I know I could probably come up with something funny. Yeah, probably the, uh, let's see here. The, 
I think horror movies have a ten- tendency to make a lot more sequels than okay, sequels is kind of a big thing that's happening a lot more frequently now. I, I feels like, but it seems like horror movies are definitely that way. Like even movies like you know, like what was that the um, the Gingerbread Man movie? There's like mm-hmm. there's like several of those ones. There's Wishmaster. There's like a bunch of small like random like straight to video movies. Why why uh. Are, are these things really that popular, like these straight to DVD like films or um, I, mean, I think yeah, I, I think horror tends to go that route for two main reasons. One, it doesn't take a whole lot to make a horror movie. You know, you can you can make a halfway decent watchable horror movie for a few hundred thousand dollars and, and get away with it very easily. And I don't want this to sound like too much of a knock, but also there's a large part of the horror community that is very easy to please. And they don't really ask for a whole lot as long as you show some gore, show some nudity or give them, you know, a a little bit of what they're asking for. They'll ignore a lot of flaws. Halloween 2018 is a great example of that. Uh, So you have (laughs) you have those two things working in your advantage. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Blumhouse, which is one of if not the biggest producer of horror films nowadays, are able to make so many movies and that's how they were able to kind of really rise up and make a name for themselves. It's just green lighting these small independent scripts, throwing a hundred grand at them, throwing them out in theaters and making, you know, 10 times the profit of what they put into it in a weekend. Uh, And that's a reason as well why Blumhouse specifically, I mean, you look at the horror films that they release and over the past two or three years, especially you'll look at what people consider to be the best horror films that year. And at least two or three of them are Blumhouse. And you'll look at what people think are the worst horror films that year. And at least two or three of them are Blumhouse. And and so they're able to really balance that. They have movies that they can put a lot of heart and soul and and creativity into. And then they have the ones that they know they can put very little effort into, throw a trailer out, get their money back really quick and dump that into something that they're actually more passionate about. Yeah, that's true. That that, I know there's a lot of movies now. It's like, I'm, I like watching like quote unquote scary movies, horror films, and but a lot of them like I'm not gonna touch with a ten foot pool. I'm not gonna go out and watch like the Fantasy Island or some of these like yeah clearly just made for jump scares and just try to easy like just easy money. Like, movies are just put out for money. Like I, I didn't watch the new Grudge movie uh, that came out. Uh, what kind of things have you been noticing in horror films recently from Blumhouse or even a 24? That's been really kind of like, I would totally change that because it is just becoming so repetitive in the, the films that they, these studios are making. The big trend right now, honestly, is just kind of, and they're having a lot of success with it. So I don't know if I was the one in charge of it, I probably wouldn't make too much of a change if I was getting the profit from it. But as a fan, um, horror tends to fall into quicksand a little bit whenever they get a success and they try to repeat that success and they just try to repeat it over and over and over again. And what I'm talking more specifically about is like the conjuring franchise to where you have the conjuring comes out. It blows people's minds, makes a ton of money, gets, you know, a lot of critical recognition. And then they start doing these spinoffs and you start noticing as you watch these films, whether it's the nun, whether it's Annabelle, whether it's La Llorona, uh, they all have the same bag of tricks. They all do the same exact types of jump scares. They all have the same types of setups. If you're a horror fan, you see it coming a thousand miles away where the music swells down. Somebody's walking down a hallway and you're like, oh, gee, I wonder if something's going to jump out in three, two, one. Ah! Okay, yep, there it was. And it's 
those types of things that I get frustrated with um, to where if I was in charge of it, I would go, okay, this bag of tricks worked on this film. Let's try something different. Let's try to, to, to surprise the audience in a new way try to do something that will catch them off guard. Um, and I don't see that done as often as I think it should as a, from a fan standpoint. Yeah. I definitely been noticing that trend as well with like the jump scares and you know, I'm, I'm an, I'll call myself a, like a rookie horror person. Like, but even though I'm going to see these movies in theater, I can totally tell them like, Oh, here it comes. Yep. Right there. Yep. Knew exactly that was coming. That it is frustrating as a person who even has a baseline knowledge of these horror films. I, I can call stuff that was going to happen a mile away. And that is, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Saying that, you know, they're making a ton of money, so they're probably not going to change that anytime soon until there's like an upswell of like this community saying we don't want this anymore. Uh, mm. We want some more sophistication, build up more tension um, naturally, not superficially with your uh, your noise and your music and stuff like that. So exactly. Yeah. So we, we've talked about a bunch of your YouTube stuff and different things as well. But, you know. This is spooky season, Halloween season. If we're not talking about big franchises, uh, what are some movies that you would kind of recommend for like a, a beginner, the person who's kind of leaning into horror? What kind of some good recommendations for this time of year would you suggest to people? Um, I mean, if, if it's in a sense that they're kind of easy to scare and they don't want anything too intense, uh, like I was saying earlier, Poltergeist is a pretty good one. Um, it, it's not necessarily one of my favorites, but Killer Clowns from Outer Space is a very easy watch um it, it's more goofy than it is scary but that's a good kind of gateway drug movie uh i would say the first fright night the original one uh, i like the remake a lot too but the original fright night walks a nice line of horror comedy to where there's some intense stuff in it but it keeps the fun and the laughs and the the goofy tone of that movie goes enough to where i feel like it's it, it's an easy watch for somebody that's kind of jumping into the the genre uh you want to start getting into some things like <laughs> depending on everybody knows certain subjects that make them uneasy. So you can kind of walk into any of these films with that, but some of the more classic like Stephen King adaptations like pet cemetery. But if you have a real, if you have a real issue with, you know, child death, that one might not be a good one. Uh, Misery is another one that I love. That's it's, it's more, classic right there yeah yeah exactly so it kind of rides that line of horror and thriller that's much more about isolation and and just how crazy somebody could be that that one i don't think would be would be too bad for somebody uh but if you're somebody that you don't really get bothered by horror movies but you just haven't really dipped into the genre much uh, i i would start with some of the the heavy hitters like you know watch a nightmare on elm street watch halloween watch the thing uh the lost boys is one of my favorites uh, you can do, I mean, there's even a lot of modern movies now that are pretty good that, that I think you could jump into the genre pretty well with like a quiet place or get out. Um, try to go for more of the, the more mainstream ones versus the ones like you were mentioning a 24 that are very much kind of like art film, uh, very much yeah. going for more prestige. Uh, that's a totally different subgenre all in itself that, uh, that they make movies that are for very specific audiences. So if you're trying to get into the horror genre, I'd pick something that um, most people tend to agree on because you have a bigger chance of walking in and saying, hey, that's pretty good. Where's, an, where's another one? That is true that you want to try to get. I think that's, those are some really good recommend, recommendations. One franchise we hadn't really talked about so far, which is a big one that's coming out soon in a couple of years, is Scream. Mm -hmm. Scream. Scream is such a fun franchise. Are you anticipating the new uh, new film coming out? 
I'm anticipating it and and worried about it in equal amounts um, because with Scream, there's a lot of things working against it. I mean, obviously, you have Wes Craven not being here anymore is a big one because he's done all of the movies. Uh, so him not being here you're, makes you as a horror fan go, hmm, is this a good idea? Um, and then you have Kevin Williamson, who is the maybe even more so than Wes Craven, kind of the heart and soul of Scream, because he's the one that wrote the idea. He's the one that really captured that tone in the original movie. And the only movie in the Scream franchise that he did not write is Scream 3, which most fans tend to agree is the worst of the three. While, it, you know, not being a terrible movie, it's it's certainly you can feel his absence in the writing. Uh, and he's not writing this one. He's just an executive producer, which I don't even know what that means. I mean, you can deliver cupcakes one day on set and be an executive producer. Yeah, so, exactly. So I don't know. Those two not really being heavily involved with it worries me. But at the same time, you know, every franchise needs some new blood. So as long as they have somebody smart writing it, somebody smart directing it, that could be a good thing. We'll see when the movie comes out. The other thing that really worries me is that Scream has always been this very self-reflective uh, franchise in the writing where they kind of talk about the the cliches, the pitfalls and the trends in horror and that's kind of what was the big shot in the arm when the first one came out. It was so new and such a fresh concept. Uh, I don't know what you're going to make fun of in 2020 with the horror trends. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of trends or, or weird things going on in the horror films nowadays that would easily lend themselves to a script. I mean, when Scream 4 came out, it was obvious. It's like, OK, we're going to pit fun at uh, remakes and found footage. Uh, and then Scream 5, I just, I don't know. I don't know where you're going to go with that. So I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, if you just make a straight up slasher movie and just have Ghostface running around, yeah, that's cool, but it's not exactly Scream. So I don't, uh, I don't know what to expect. I'm excited for it. Um, I like the fact that it's going to be coming out in January because my birthday movie tends to always be a really shitty movie because January is <laughs> at the dumping ground. So it's cool to at least be able to roll the dice and go see a scream movie for my birthday. But uh, yeah, until I see a trailer or get an idea of what exactly the plot they're going for is, I'm kind of, I kind of have my arms in the air. I don't really know where to move the needle as far as my expectations. Yeah. I've, uh, immediately want to be excited for, cause I, I really enjoy the franchise quite a bit and I, I am kind of skeptical as well. I want to see some footage, see where they're going with it. And I guess the only trend maybe is that countless sequel thing. Like the sequels just keep going. They, they could poke fun at that, but I, that's the only thing I could really kind of think about. But then it would kind of would be really kind of breaking the, the fourth wall type of stuff right there. But what well, we shall, we shall play the waiting game. Uh, I'm not sure if you're into like doc like wrestling documentaries too much, but there's a really good one called "You Cannot Kill David Arquette," and uh, which just came out this year because he was a wrestler. Well, not a wrestler. He was a guy who didn't ready to rumble in the late night or early 2000s, and he won the the championship in WCW, right? And he got immediately hated for it. But he was also in he was Deputy Dewey in Scream. I heard an interview of him talking about the documentary. He says in the interview is that he was actually supposed to be cast as the killer and not Deputy Dewey, but he was more intrigued by the deputy than the killer character. Hmm. Uh, that would definitely change the how the film is probably a I don't know that that would be a very interesting take. Uh, are you a fan of the deputy Deputy Dewey? Um, <laughs> I guess that's a random question. <sighs> It's been a while since I've watched them. I think I like his character a lot in the second movie. 
Yeah. I'm not really a big David Arquette fan. Uh, mm-hmm. not that I hate him, but he has this very goofy kind of quirkiness about him that just doesn't necessarily hit my note. I don't really think his, his style of humor is all that funny. Uh, and I know exactly what they're going for with his character as kind of the, the, the ditzy guy and, and he nails that, but he's never been my favorite character in the scream franchise. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. going along with that, um, Scream is the only slasher franchise that you can look at and say, hey, these characters from the first film are still alive. Um, So I am a big proponent of killing off one or two or possibly all three of them in this new film. Um, I I would not hate it whatsoever. Scream is tends to be uh, famous for kind of going for the jugular with their opening scenes, especially in the first film. Uh, I would not be upset one bit if this film opens up and Deputy Dewey and Gail Weathers are taken out violently in the opening seven minutes of the movie. And that kicks off the events of bringing back Nev Campbell. Yeah, that, that would be that's a pretty good pitch right there. Uh, I know we're getting close to the hour mark here. I want to have you quickly just uh, I know you have a big series coming up at the end of the month because you guys do this 31 on 31. Uh mm-hmm. Let the let the people who might not know this to be so they can anticipate it. Let them know what kind of stuff you're doing and what kind of what kind of what's this brainchild of yours that you come up with. Yeah, so thirty one on thirty one. It was kind of like a an awesome accident to a degree. Um, all of most of twenty eighteen, when I knew that I was going to be doing the Halloween franchise reviews, uh, which would mean that I would be finishing up doing my review series for all three of what what horror fans call the big three, which is Freddie, Michael, and Jason. Um, I thought it would be cool after Halloween 2018 to not only wrap up my Halloween review series, but to do one giant ranking video to where I put all the nightmare movies, all the Halloween movies and all the Friday the 13th movies into a pot and rank all of them from worst to best. Um, and as October got closer, I was a part of a, um, a group called scream stream and I had brought the idea to them and said, Hey, you know, this might be a fun group thing to do where we all, um, we were all, different variations of fans. I mean, I was the Freddy fan. CP was the Friday the 13th fan. Uh, Brian was all over the place. Uh, we had a Halloween fan in there. Uh, so there was going to be a very huge discrepancy in our list. So I thought that would be kind of be a fun thing to do. So that year we did it. We launched it on October 31st. Uh, CP actually noticed that there was 31 films whenever you put all of them together and kind of came up with the idea for the name of 31 on 31. Um, so uh, between me and him kind of putting that whole thing together, it kind of became this tradition to where uh, a year later, me and CP and Brian revisited the idea and did it with all of like the next level of slashers like uh, Scream and Chucky and, and Psycho and put a whole bunch of franchises together and did it again last Halloween. And this year we had only planned on doing one on Halloween again. It was just going to be our October thing. But with COVID uh, and no new movies to talk about, we decided to do a few more. So we branched off in May and we did 31 on 31 Action Edition. Uh, We had Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and Bad Boys and John Wick and some other franchises together. Uh, We did that with Sean Chandler. Sean had the idea because he looked at the the slate of films with um, with. Birds of Prey coming out, there was going to be 31 films whenever you mix the MCU with the DCEU. And so we decided to do another one in July where we did 31 on 31 MCU versus the DCEU. Uh, and then this October, we're, we're going back to horror traditionally uh, with uh, creature features. We're going to be doing Critters. 
The Thing, Gremlins, Predator, Alien, Jeepers Creepers, and Jaws. I believe that's all of them. I might be leaving one out, but uh, yeah, our buddy Brian is a, he's a big creature feature guy. He's not the biggest slasher fan, and we've drug him through ranking 31 (laughs) slashers two years in a row. So earlier this year, I was like, all right, Brian, it's your year. He's a big Critters fan. So I, I sent him the list of films that I found that added up to 31, and he was happy as hell about that. So this is kind of year of the Lomax but um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing that uh, on the 31st and having a lot of fun with that. And then next year, who knows, uh, depending on what goes on with COVID and movie theaters, we might be finding some other topics to dive into for 31 on 31. Or we might just go back to doing um, October only. Not really sure what's on the horizon. But, yeah, it's a it's a pretty fun thing that we do. Uh, just kind of bringing movie fans together in different genres and pitting them against each other. And uh, I, I've seen a number of YouTube channels um, do their own versions of 31 on 31. I've had a couple of them reach out and ask permission and kind of give thanks for the, the idea and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely some kind of a concept that we kind of accidentally made up that seems to be uh, something that resonates with a lot of people. We have a lot of fun with it. Well, that's pretty cool too. And you also get to talk about a lot of films all at one time in one giant video. So that's uh, yeah. kind of like, and maybe you're not planning on reviewing those films, but at least you get to talk about some other stuff too. And especially with COVID, unfortunately happening, you could be able to talk maybe a little bit more of, uh, you know, superhero stuff and also some action flicks too, which are also some passions I know you have as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I, I don't want to have too much of your time today. I really do appreciate you uh, taking some time and uh, talking some horror with us and give us some awesome recommendations and kind of give us your backstory as well. Yeah, no problem, man. It was fun. It was. And uh, one quick time, uh, get all the, his, his information for his chat, his YouTube channel, his Twitter and that kind of stuff. It will be in the description of the show notes of this video. And I, I guess we'll just end it right there. So yeah. Uh, cool. We'll see you. We'll see you later. See Boom. ya.